Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we're going to talk about returning to school, which many are right now throughout the country. We're going to talk about some advice in helping others, advice in academics, and advice in being the best athlete that you could be. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Hey, Dustin. How are you, man? Hey, good morning, Chad. Good to hear from you, man. Yeah, you too. It's an exciting time. We got a lot of sports going on right now. A lot of schools, some returning today, some returned last week. I'm sure around the country, they're returning either have recently or are soon. And so it's a super exciting time of life and for young people and for all of us. But uh, it's also a time of renewal. You know, it's a time like January 1st almost, where we could take a step back, look at our life. How's this year going to be a little bit different? In what ways do I want to improve? What things do I want to keep doing or start doing? And so I thought it would be great as we talked together, we just thought it would be good to sit here and and just have a discussion about returning to school and, and some advice in, in different areas that yeah. go along with our program here. And so, yeah. so the first one I would love to talk about is how we could keep our eyes up and do the work a little bit better this year at school. And I'm wondering if you have any advice as these young people are returning to school and as parents are having discussions with them to try to help them have the best year possible. What advice do you have in regard to helping other people and keeping their eyes up and doing the work? Well, Shad, the first thing I... I would say to that is actually the second part of your question there where you mentioned as parents are having conversations with their kids about returning to school. You know, I I hope that that's happening. I guess what I would start with is parents, are we having those discussions? Um, I actually got an email from a coach of a, of a club track team the other day who, who wants to do more with, especially for athletes, wants to have her, her kids learn more about the program. She started listening to these episodes and she's sharing them with her parents. And she actually commented on one of the recent messages we shared on Instagram about how that was something specifically that she made her motto or her family motto with her kids when she was talking to them about going back to school. And it, it dawned on me, man, what an awesome mom, right? What a leader. She's getting it. She sat down with her with her kids before school and set a goal on what we're going to do and what I want you to remember when you're going to school and you're in the hallways. And and the, 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 the motto that she made is that a rising tide lifts all ships, something that we shared recently in an Instagram post, right? Mm-hmm. That if they're trying to lift others and, and they're holding themselves to a higher um into a higher level that it's going to raise everybody. And so it got me thinking, gosh, did, you know, I I've had conversations with my kids and I, I talked with them, but I could have done more. And I, I, so parents who are listening to this, I would really challenge them to do that, to talk with their kids, you know, set some goals and, and let them know that for everybody, the start of school, isn't 
great for everybody. You know, their kids might be excited and maybe they got brand new shoes and a brand new shirt they can't wait to wear. And they set it all out the night before and they're excited to go to school and their brand new clothes and everything. And, but that's not the case for every single kid. In fact, for some kids, they're coming back to that bubble that was not a happy place for them where they have some demons. Maybe they might have some bad memories of certain people, certain classrooms, certain hallways, right? And so, you know, if our eyes are down, if they don't go back to school looking for those things, they're going to miss those. If their eyes are up and they've been challenged by their parents, hey, when you go back to school, really be aware of who you think those kids are that maybe look like they're not maybe enjoying it. It's not that happy place. And then how can you make it an easier, more, you know, comfortable place for them by making it an effort to say hello to them every day in class, trying to sit by them, walk with them to a class afterwards. If you, you know, if you locker by them, make it a habit to go by their locker and just ask them how their weekend was. But you have to be intentional at doing the work, not just have good intentions and hope that the opportunity is right in front of you and then say, well, yeah, I'll do it then. Because I think that's how a lot of us live our lives, right? We'll, we'll do it if it comes to us and we're challenged, but we don't go looking for it. And, and what we're asking these kids to do is, hey, people know who you are, that sport light. They're hearing about all you athletes right now at the start of school and the pep rallies and come support the soccer team and the, you know, the, the football team and all these things. So parents, it's our responsibility, I feel, to talk with our kids about, hey, you know, you can do a lot of good, but if we just hope they'll do it and assume that they will, because we think our children are perfect, well, we may find out later that their intentions were there, but they really didn't do anything. So I'd start by saying that, that parents, it's on us now to get our kids ready to go. And that when they come home from school to ask them how they do, who'd they meet, who'd they reach out to? Did they lift the, the waters of the sea today? Or did they just, you know, meander through it? The rising tide lifts all boats. I love that. I love that post that you did. I listened to it with my kids and had a discussion. And and that's what we hope that these episodes will become is opportunities to have discussions with kids. One of the other messages that we shared on social media that got a lot of a lot of traction and was one. um, It's really a Dale Carnegie principle, right? In how to win friends and influence people. But we had a young person who wrote into us and asked us the question, how can I make more friends? And the advice that we gave on the channel was when you walk into a room, instead of worrying about what everybody thinks of you and whether or not they like you and whether or not you are impressive to them, flip a switch in your brain and walk into the room and start looking around and think, how can I make someone else feel liked? How can I make someone else feel beautiful, smart, handsome, tell them they look good today? And and when we walk into rooms and we are not so worried about what the room thinks of us, but we're worried about what people think of themselves and how can I help them have a better day? Just that thinking outward will present so many opportunities in your life to lift others. But ironically, that's the best way to actually make friends and connect with people. So sometimes there's this false perception that, okay, this year I'm going to go back to school 
and man, I got these sweet clothes, I got these sweet shoes, I can drive now, you know, and we start thinking of all the things about us that might be impressive to other people. There will be nothing more impressive to other people than if you'll forget about being impressive. <laughs> and yeah. if you will walk into a room, we've shared this before, but there was a mom when a girl was struggling with some things that said, okay, in the morning, I want you to do everything you can to make yourself look beautiful. That's important. You need to take care of yourself. You need to dress nice. You need to do those things the best that you can. But the moment you walk out that door, forget about yourself and you try to make other people feel beautiful, handsome, smart, you know, whatever, yeah. funny, whatever. And I think that's a big key and a great goal, something that parents could talk to their kids about is when you walk into those rooms, classrooms, team circles, you know, whatever it might be, stop trying to make everyone think you're cool and start trying to make other people feel cool. And that's the best thing you could do for them and for yourself socially. It comes back. People love being around people who make them feel yeah. as valuable as they are. Yep. And there's lots of distractions at school. There's lots of, of um, opportunities for students to, you know, have an excuse not to be aware of others and not to be focused on other people because they do have a lot. They've got to, you know, address that are pertain specifically to them. But that's why we say it's work, you know, do the work. It's, it, it's not going to be easy. Um, and, and that's why we're trying to challenge them in the way that we are, that we're asking them to do the work and make time for it. And so when we say win the hour, that's what we're talking about. You got it. Winning that hour includes not only paying attention in class so that you're learning, but it also means paying attention to others so that you can serve and help. Um, you know, the seek to bless, not impress all the principles of, especially for athletes are designed to try to help other people. So, you know, you know, parents, you know, if they're, I don't think we have as many kids listening to this as we probably do parents and coaches, but if we do, you know, kids, please be aware of others and then step out of your comfort zone, try um, parents. It's up to us though, to sit down and, and kind of help them understand what that looks like and what are the, some of the things they might be able to do. It doesn't have to be big. It might be something as simple as you know, somebody answers a question in class that was a tough question on the way out. You give them a fist bump and say, hey, thanks for taking that question. None of us knew the answer. I wish I was as smart as you in this class. Give them a fist bump, right? Or, hey, man, if you ever have an extra minute, you could help me with this class. I'd love it. I am not getting it like you are, you know, or whatever. Just something simple that makes somebody feel like, hey, they recognize me, right? They appreciate me. And then when you see them in the hallway, say hi and mention that, hey, man, I'll see you in fifth period you know, or whatever, just little things like that. That's going to get some student who maybe isn't in that sport light or isn't as recognized, or even maybe they are, maybe it's another teammate, you know, that maybe that, that looks up to you, reach out to them, do something, just recognize them. Even if you just make eye contact with them is better than nothing. Yes, absolutely. And there's also, there's a, a few things I, I made note of that, you know, I've talked with my kids about, um, one of them is, who are the new kids at the school? Who are the yeah. kids that have moved in from other places? If they could get a group of athletes, you know, we encourage our leadership councils at school to do this very activity to, you know, to go to their 
their leadership at their school and say, can you let us know the kids who've moved in from out of town? And just make sure that they are getting integrated into social circles, that they are invited to things so that they aren't, that's really tough to move during your high school years and helping those kids become integrated into the into the culture of the school athletes could play a big role in that and sometimes those kids are just a little bit forgotten not because anyone is like oh they're from washington state forget them i don't want to talk to them they just didn't grow up they just didn't grow up in the community yeah you don't have you don't have roots with them right and so it's important that we find out who those kids are early on and help integrate them into our school culture. The other part of that is kids that are making a transition from one grade to another. You know, some here in Utah, there's 10 through 12 high schools and there's nine through 12, grades nine through 12 high schools. So sometimes it's those eighth graders coming into ninth grade and instead of making them, you know, the hazing stuff that goes on right. or even the teasing stuff about them, like what can you do to make sure that those kids, you know, look for kids in the hall that don't know where they're going or yeah. a, a kid that just looks like they're wandering around alone at lunch, not really knowing where do, where do people even sit to eat, you know, yeah. and look for those kids or those 10th graders that are coming up from ninth grade to 10th grade that are sophomores now really being intentional about looking for those new kids. I think that that's something that, that is good to do. And then the other is you, you mentioned, you know, the pep rallies and the things like that. We've talked about this often, but one way we can really lift and help others is when we're handed the microphone at a pep rally, as an athlete or whatever, use that as a time to show gratitude. Yeah. You know, for the band, for the cheerleaders, for the drill teams, for the parents, for the coaches, for the administration. If you are gracious and thank other people for the contributions they make, it it builds a school unity that creates such an awesome atmosphere Whereas if you take the microphone and just try to attract more attention to yourself than you're already getting, it kind of produces this eye roll effect Yeah. where people are like, oh, wow, okay, yay, we'll cheer yeah. for you, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. And so those are just some of the things that I thought of when we're thinking of going back to school. Any other thoughts on that, Dustin, that you would share on that topic? As far as helping others, I know I, I, you know, maybe, you know, maybe just be more open to new friends would be the other one, you know, the clicks and some of the, we live in a, in a world right now uh, as adults, we are very much a part of this, unfortunately, where it's very, you know, tribalized, I guess, right. We have our groups and if you're not part of our group, if you don't dress like us or look like us or talk like us or believe belong to the same religion as us or whatever. We, we kind of use that as a reason not to include you and justify that I'm doing the right thing because they don't believe in the same religion as me or whatever it is. And that's not, you know, that's not right. So, you know, it's be open to everybody. Everybody's got something to give. We've talked about this a million times and, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to hang out with them every weekend, but that, you know, you can still be inclusive and, when you're in school and you're in the hallways and you're in the class, 
you know, everybody has a place and everybody has something to give and, and they are your schoolmates. They do, they are going to graduate from the same high school you graduated with from, and you're always going to have that connection, whether or not you were best friends with them or not. Any adult listening to this knows if you bump into somebody 30 years later and find out they went to the same high school that you went to, even if they were years behind you, you immediately feel a connection to them, right? And you maybe didn't even know who they were, or they graduated five years, 10 years earlier than you. You immediately feel this connection because you were a eagle or you were a, you know, a trailblazer or whatever your logo was, right? And so um, just be kinder to everybody guys. And, and, and uh, I think if you do school's going to be better for them, but also much better for you. Awesome. So I wanted to move on to another topic, one that you're passionate about Dustin. And I've heard you speak over and over again to young people and even share your own story. And maybe you can share some of that. Yeah. Uh, I remember when we wrote our first book and, and our second book, we included some of our own experiences yeah. in this this area, and that's the area of excelling in academics. Yep. What thoughts or advice do you have? Maybe if you wouldn't mind starting out with yep. your own story and what you learned as you went throughout your life. Yeah, my story was, um, you know, one of mediocrity for a lot of years, and partly because I was pushed, but I wasn't. I wasn't really pushed. I mean, meaning you know, I, I told myself I was pushed, but I set this ceiling that was, I wouldn't let myself get past that because I was told at my house, if we didn't have a 3.0 grade point average, we couldn't play sports. We only had to have a 2.0 to be eligible. And so for most of junior high and most of high school, I hovered around a 3.0 literally every semester. And, and to the point where a week or two before the end of the semester, I would write down all my, you know, the grades I was going to get in every class and what the, you know, the GPA was, what a, I still know a 2.6, right? That's a, that's a B minus, right? I just, I add it all up. I'd average it out and I'd say, okay, if I can get a B plus in that class right there, I'll get a 3.0 and then I'll be good. So just the minimum to make sure my dad got the 3.0 that he said I had to get. And then I was done as soon as I had the 3.0. And so it was always this kind of 2.9 to 3.1. If I got a 2.9, I had all these other things I had to do. As soon as I got home, my dad would make me go in the room and shut the door. And I did nothing but study for hours and hours. He wouldn't let me come out. I just would go in and read my science book. To this day, I still remember certain pictures on certain page where they were on the left corner page of, you know, of the books. I read it over and over trying to you know, because I, I got a 2.9 and, and we had to make, I had to beg to be able to play. And anyway, the point is, is that when I graduated high school and went on to college and now was playing in college, had a scholarship, only had to get a 2.0 now, wasn't at home, was living away. First semester of college, I got a 2.3. I was barely eligible. And I had nobody to make me go to class now. I had an early morning math class that I rarely ever went to. I got a D minus in it. It wasn't that early. It was a 730 class, I think. But you know, I'd, I'd have multiple practices and weight room sessions that were earlier than that that I never would miss. But for me, if I had to go to math class at 7 or 730, it was all of a sudden like impossible to you know, wake up to. 
I was just mediocre. I, I just, I didn't care, you know, and I did what was the minimal amount required of me to get by. And a couple of years went by and I finally realized, you know, I'm sick of this. I can do better. Um, I was embarrassed. I'd grown up a little bit and decided to really commit and just see. I, I had been away from college for a couple of years, uh, lived in another country, learned another language, came back feeling just I can do hard things and, and outside of just sports and committed that I want to try this. So I full on put my head down and focused on school. It was my second year of college. So much so that on the weekends, I would spend most of the time in the library up on the second floor of the library in a cubicle back in the corner, just studying. And um, my wife can attest to it because at the time I was dating her and multiple weekends, she'd come by to, are we going to go out and do something? Are we going to, you going to take me to out the tonight? And I, I, I was studying. Um and I had to because school wasn't easy for me. I didn't just pick it up like some of the other kids did. Probably the same way that some of them didn't. Some of those students maybe didn't pick up throwing a baseball or football like it was for me. It just wasn't. It was harder. And so I had to study extra hard. But when I finished and got a 4.0 that semester and through the rest of school, finished with either a 4.0 or really close to a 4.0, um, it was not easy. It, it was very tough. And there were late nights where I felt like I had to just keep on reading and keep on studying and go to study groups and study on Saturdays and all the same things we would ask an elite level athlete to do if you flip the table to be an elite level basketball player. You're going to have to shoot when you don't want to shoot and run when you don't want to run and all those things. And so, you know, for me, I still have emails that come to me from the University of Utah because I made some national honor group for my grade point average. And I get these emails from time to time. I think they're asking for me to donate to their, <laughs> to their uh, uh, program. But um, I, I don't mark the emails as spam. I do like seeing them. When they come in, I, I briefly read over them. I haven't done anything with the group, but it reminds me that I – you know, that I made that. And it was a, it was as valuable to me as any award or any winning any game or anything, because I did work for it. It was difficult. And I proved myself and maybe, I don't think other people thought that I couldn't do it. I, I just like, I think a lot of kids think that they're dumb, but they're not. And no, and most people don't think they are. We, we see what they're capable of. It's just getting them to see what they're capable of. And, and, and that's the way I think for everybody in life, it, nobody can make you do the work. No one can make you, um, you know, get good grades. You got to want to do it and put in the time and have it be something that's important to you. So my advice to kids going back to school is don't settle for an A minus when you can get an A. I know that might sound hard, but you can get an A. It's going to be really hard. Right. And, and maybe maybe you don't. Maybe you put every little bit of effort you can into it and you get you don't get the A. You get the A minus or the B plus. But if you'll keep with that focus of doing everything possible, and that includes sitting in the front of class, talking to teachers after class, maybe on Friday, you got to meet with your teachers. This is what I did in college. I sat in the front of class. I would meet with all my professors on Friday and ask them if there anything I could do over the weekend extra. 
If there was a test coming up, are there any study groups or anybody in the class you know of that I maybe could ask help for? I had to humble myself and just say, I'm not smart enough to figure this out by myself. And I'd ask people that were good at the subject and, and, and ask for their help. And I think when we submit to that, and if young people can do that, I think they probably find in junior high or high school that they could avoid, you know, some of those traps of last minute dashes to the English teacher to try to get your grade from a C to a B because you procrastinated. You know, the, the, the simplest advice might just be to go to class. You know, I, I always tell kids, uh, I'm sorry if I offend you with this comment, but I think you can get a 2.0 if you just go to class and don't fall asleep. If you just try it all, I think you can get a 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, go to class, be attentive and be, you won't be, you shouldn't be surprised to find out that if you sit in the back of class, if you are sleeping in class, if you're not taking notes, if you're regularly missing class, that when the end of the semester comes and you run up to your teacher and, Hey, what can I do? I've got to get my grade up. And you give the sob story. Don't be surprised if teachers don't want to listen to it because you haven't been interested all semester. The flip side of that is if you're someone who's shown that you've been willing to put in the time and do the work by doing all those things I mentioned earlier, then when you go to the teacher, at least my experience was they wanted to help me. They knew that I was trying and that it was difficult for me. And they don't want to give out B's and C's. They want to give out A's. They want to educate. They want to see that you're capturing the things they're teaching you. That's They want that as teachers. That's their goal. So when they see somebody that's hungry and thirsty for that, they're going to want to help you. And so, you know, some kids, I don't think they think grades matter that much as long as I graduate. You know, parents, if we share that sort of attitude with them that, hey, man, as long as you graduate, you're good. Well, then as long as you're just go to work, I guess you're good. You know, don't have any drive to be great at it. Just have a job. And that's the wrong attitude to take. You should want to be your very best at everything you do and your very best, not the very. I wasn't the very best student at the school, but I felt like I did the very best I could do. And I believe that that lesson helped me in other areas of life because sports has always been something I've been fairly good at. Not that I I worked really hard at it, but I do remember being young and being able to dribble and shoot and throw. And I didn't have to learn how to do that when I was 23, but schooling, I had to. And so, you know, athletes don't set yourself behind that eight ball by being lazy early, go to class, sit in the front, ask questions, be attentive. Don't set yourself up where you have to scramble late in the semester and then graduate regretting it. Like I did that you you were mediocre for three or four years when you could have been your, uh, you could have been better. Listening to you, I'm thinking of something that Justin Sua said about sports and you alluded to this and it's the same. He said, those who were truly great embrace the boredom of consistency. And I think the great students that I've come in contact with in my life, they don't do some like great big thing. They do little things consistently throughout the semester. They don't do assignments the night before the assignment is due. Yep. They go to the teacher and say, hey, I've written this paper. I, I know it's not due till Friday, but I was just wondering if you had any advice for me before I turn it in. Like, They just consistently, every day, they embrace the boredom of consistency. They set a routine and they, they do it. And sometimes we're good at that as athletes, 
which we'll talk about here in a second. We set these workout routines and, and things like that, but we it never occurred to me. I had much a, a very similar story to yours. It never really occurred to me to set a study routine in my life. I thought my teachers set the routine by telling me, here's when an assignment's due. Yeah. And typically, my routine was, okay, it's due on Friday. Oh, I'm going to be busy Thursday night then, <laughs> right? And uh, good students are, they just, hey, man, half an hour every day. They aren't too tired. They aren't too stressed. So their work is better. They take notes. They rewrite their notes. They there's they sit in the front like you talked about they ask the questions when they don't understand something they're willing to risk the embarrassment even though 30 other kids in there are probably having the same questions good students will raise their hand and say i don't get it i'm so sorry can you go over it one more time or can i stay after class yeah and and that's what good students do one thing that that i have you and i have encountered a lot as well that sometimes we don't connect academics and athletics we think eligibility equals scholarship but those who are great students open up way more avenues for themselves athletically as well because for example if there is a school that you're interested in attending and you have a three-fourths academic scholarship because you've done great in school, you're very appealing to them because they know, hey, I can bring in this player and I only need to use a fourth scholarship on this player because they've done so good academically. And it might open up some opportunities where maybe you aren't at that level where they're thinking full ride scholarship, but you are academically doing well yeah you will open up way more opportunities for yourself if you include the academic side of things and excel in that athletically as well so yep, yep. If, if, if you need money for college work harder to get an academic scholarship and then walk on at a school where they don't have to you're a good athlete that they don't have to spend money on from the basketball team or the football team because they're limited on scholarships but you can still get your school paid for because you got the scholarship somewhere else. But if you, yeah, like you said, if, if your transcripts are mediocre and you're a good, but not elite, elite athlete, they're not going to spend their time with you because the mediocre grades screams lack of attention to detail, probably is late, probably skips class, doesn't do homework, doesn't study. Well, if I'm a coach, those are all red flags to me on what I'm going to get as a player, because you're probably going to be very similar when you get here and you realize you're not starting right away, it is difficult. It is hard. Maybe you don't like it as much as you did in high school because you're not, you know, the man. Right. And all of a sudden, yeah, I don't like football as much. I don't like basketball as much as I used to. And so you stop putting in that work because earlier you didn't like English as much. You didn't like math as much. Um, you know, and, and, and again, Shad is, you know, talking to parents about this parents, I think the attitude of, well, I'm going to encourage him and push him, but he needs to want to do it or she needs to want to be great. And I want that to be her decision to work hard or to do whatever. That sounds great. But again, we need our, our, their kids are young. They don't know what they don't know. And they, they just don't get it yet. They do need to have some, in my opinion, maybe somebody will tell me I'm wrong on this. 
My dad told me 3.0, so I got a 3.0. My guess is if he had told me 3.5, I probably would have worked a little bit harder and got a 3.5, right? It's, I think we do as parents need to say, listen, I want you to do your very best. I think you're capable of more. Maybe 4.0, we know our kids just not going to get that. Okay, we, we have different, you know, uh, maybe some of our kids that that's too much to ask. But I do think there needs to be some sort of standard set at home as to what we require of our sons and daughters when it comes to academics. Because I know that I'm around these sports parents every day, have been for 15 plus years. I know how much they require or strongly encourage their son or daughter to do in the way of strength training or skill training. And they're encouraging them or making them go to trainings, to private trainings, to camps, to, to strength trainers. Like they're making them go to that. And they say, well, my kid likes it. He wants to do it. And so I'm giving him every opportunity. Well, you know, the, I bet you that your child would like to get good grades. You know, I bet that they would prefer to not be, you know, labeled as the, the dumb kid in class. But do we give them the same sort of opportunities do we get them a tutor? Do we find extra ways for them to learn how to figure out math? Do we spend the same kind of time with them reading and writing and working with them on stuff as we do rebounding for them or playing catch with them or hitting ground balls to them or sending them to somebody to teach them how to do those things? Do we send them to somebody to teach them how to learn another language or how to do math better? Like, so, you know, as parents, we do have a responsibility to help our kids understand the importance of it by how we stress it at home. Before you turn on the Xbox, you need to go and study and you need to read and you need to show me what you've done before you go out and, you know, and hang out this weekend. You've got to show me that you're getting that grade up because I saw at midterms, you have a C in that. Are we going to parent teacher conferences? Parents, if the head coach of the volleyball team said mid season, I'm going to have a parent conference and I want to meet with all of the parents to talk about where your volleyball players are at and what they can do to get better. A hundred percent of the parents would be meeting with the head coach, right? But we have parent teacher conference that pops up and a lot of parents, I'm too busy to go. I can't go. Then we can't be surprised if our kid realizes schools, as long as I graduate, if I get B's and C's, as long as, you know, I'm good mom and dad don't care as long, then that's what we're creating. We're creating a kid who's way more focused on athletics when very few scholarships and chances to use that in college are really available. And when it comes to school, it's just something they, they have to do in order to play sports. And that should, that's backwards, right? So um, that's on us again, as parents, we need to talk to our kids, set some standards, learn by example, or uh, lead by example, follow up, hold some accountability to things. And, uh, and, and make sure we're teaching habits that lead to better academic, hopefully, results. That's exactly what I was going to add, Dustin, is sometimes our kids, it's easy to say to them, establish a routine, a, a good study routine. Yeah, they don't know how. But they don't know how. You, yeah, know, you need to get like, better grades. Right. Okay. For it's like me. saying you need to throw the ball faster. Right. You need to jump higher. Well, I obviously, I need to jump higher. I'm getting my balls swatted in my face every time I shoot but dad how like what do I do it's your your genetics <laughs> you're the one that can't jump so you gave them to me right yeah. help me 
Exactly. And, and sitting down with them and saying, let's talk about a routine. Let's try a routine. Here's some things that I learned throughout my schooling, some things I did. And I mean, someone shared a routine with me, Brian Beam. This guy annoyed me. He would, we were in an AP class together and in high school and, and this guy, cool guy, loved him. He's a good friend and that he would get straight A's. He was just like the most laid back guy. You would never think this guy was this straight A student, but he was. And I asked him, I said, dude, what do you do? And he's like, I'll come over to your house and show you. So he came over to my house to study for this biology test. And all he did was he would take notes in class and then the next day he would go home or that night he would go home and he would write out his notes. He would just rewrite his notes and organize them and underline things because he kind of took messy notes at first. And then if there's anything he didn't understand, he'd look it up in the book and write notes. And then he said, and then I just, every night before I go to bed, I, I just read those, those notes. It takes me like 10 minutes. So, so here's a guy who took notes, rewrote them, and then read them until he took more notes. And then he would just do that for the week. And by the time he got to the test, like yeah. studying for the test was just a review for him and he'd get straight A's. I started to do that. All of a sudden I was doing good in AP biology, but I didn't know that. Like I didn't yeah. even know how to study. And so I think sometimes just telling kids work harder, that, like you said, that's in that, like, jump higher. Uh, yeah. They don't know what to do. And so, and sometimes parents don't know what to do. And they were never, never taught that. And they, you know, were excellent in a trade. And they know how to be excellent in that trade and learn that trade. But they've never really learned exactly how to do great in school. And sometimes we need to rely on other people, even as parents, and be humble enough to to call someone, you know, someone who teaches at a college or a high school and say, hey, I want to teach my kid how to study. Like, what advice do you have? Yeah. What tips do you have? So, yep. so, Dustin, now moving on to athletics, it's another time of fresh start, new seasons, things like that. And we have had a lot of people on our podcast, Eric Weddle, Tyler Hawes, Peyton Henry, Ty Detmer. Um, yeah. I, I'm missing, I'm sure, many of them. Uh, yeah. But they all talked about routines that they established as young people. And when you are around these people, of course, they're gifted athletically. But the people that I just mentioned to you could be walking through the mall and you wouldn't look at that person and go, there's the all-time leading scorer at BYU, unless you yeah. knew him, right? Yeah. Eric Weddle, you wouldn't look at him and say, there's a guy who just won a Super Bowl championship, unless you knew him. They don't look a ton different than everybody else, but they had routines that helped them get the most out of their abilities. And, and sometimes, I wish I could go back, to be honest, this is one area where I wish I could go back knowing what I know now and talk to 12-year-old Shad Martin. Yeah. I just didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. But I wish I would. I was just playing the sport all the time because I loved it, but I didn't understand the concept of training. So I was always playing. 
and I got a lot of time in and a lot of development from playing, but I wish someone would have taught me about weightlifting, about drills, about things I could do on my own, about the concept of not just working hard in practice, but those who are elite then yeah. go and do some personal development as well. And I know, Dustin, that this is one of your passions and professions is helping people develop skills to be great elite quarterbacks. Yeah. What would you say to parents, coaches, and also athletes about setting a routine that will help them become the best they can be athletically if that's their goal? Well, with all of the things that we all have, everybody, not athletes and non-athletes, parents and kids, all the things we have pulling at us every day, we make time for the things that are most important to us. So this excuse of, I don't have enough time is then, well, then we have too many things going on. We need to cut something out and probably some, we need to prioritize and cut the things that are less important out to make time for the things that are more important. Um, or just not stress out about something because we're not going to get to it. It's just not in the cards right now. If sports is something that you're committed to, if, if your child or you, the athlete is committed to being great at athletics and you don't carve out time of the day specifically to get better at that sport outside of practice, everybody goes to practice, right? So everybody's going to be at a basketball practice for two hours and working on very similar drills at every junior high or every high school or every college in America once, you know, basketball season gets here. But right now it's not basketball season as far as competitive basketball. It's not being played, right? Right. But if you're a basketball player come November and you're going to be, whether you play baseball or football or another sport, volleyball or soccer or whatever, you've got to be making time to do something basketball related. If you play three sports, if you only play one, whatever, you've got to be making specific time and to work on the things that you're not great at. It's really easy to go and I'll use basketball as an example. I can go and shoot for hours and hours and hours on shots that I'm good at. It's fun. I'm going to make them. I'm going to dribble with my right hand. I'm going to, because that's easier for me. I'm a right-handed athlete. That's playing basketball a lot. And you're going to get good at things you're already good at, but then you're going to get in a game someday and someone's going to make you go to your left hand and shoot the shot you don't want to shoot. And you're going to struggle because all that time you were playing basketball, but you weren't working on developing a skill, which should have been, how do I dribble with my offhand? How do I shoot this shot that I'm not great at? That's not going to be as fun out there shooting by yourself when you're missing that shot and it's hard and you're dribbling off your foot. And you're, you're struggling, but would you rather struggle there or would you rather struggle in front of 2,500 people, right, on a, out in, in a, on a Thursday night or Friday night game, whatever? So, you know, it, it's, it's training with purpose. It's, it's practicing with the intent to get better, not just to go and, and shoot the ball. And I think sometimes as parents, we say, well, he's always out there shooting or he's always out there throwing. Yeah, I went and threw a lot too. I threw so much that I threw the ball really hard coming out of high school. And then I ended up having elbow surgery because I didn't throw the right way, but I threw like crazy mm -hmm. until I just, you know, wrecked my arm. You can go shoot over and over and over. And if you're not shooting the right way, 
find out that when you get in the game, that shot doesn't get off in time because you have a slow release and the ball and it doesn't, you can't get it off when you actually have a guy guarding you. So finding somebody that can help you or going online and finding specific things to do and then making time in your day to do it. But we talk a lot about a lot about time management, and especially for athletes. We have an entire principle and an entire chapter written about it in our book that we discuss winning the hour. If basketball is important to you, you have to find time in the day outside of basketball practice or outside of schoolwork and everything else that you do to specifically work on that skill set. And if it doesn't become a routine, you can't be surprised if you just are okay at that sport or if you struggle at those things that you know in the back of your head you're not great at, but you didn't want to make time to go out and work on it. That's nobody else. It's not the coach's fault. That's not anybody else's fault but you because you've got to do more that coach can't train everybody at every skill set they have to develop to be their very best in two hour practice a day when he or she might have anywhere from 20 to 100 kids out there that they're managing everybody's got a different skill set they need to work on and it's got to be something that honestly parents might need to be earlier in the morning if the day is so packed then wake up earlier even if it's 30 minutes 30 minutes earlier and go out and do some dribbling drills for 30 minutes in April. Or if you're a quarterback in January, you need to get up 30 minutes earlier and do something to work on how to recognize defenses better, how to, you know, something. And it's got to become a regular routine that you're tracking and paying attention to, not just casually doing it. And you can do that. You just won't become you know, the best that you could be if you just kind of casually play the sport, just other things will take your time. Other more easy, comfortable things will take up your time in the day. And, and then come Friday night, we'll moan and groan that our child's not playing well and probably blame it on the coach is usually the routine and it just repeats itself. Um, but, you know, my question is always, what was he doing three months ago at six thirty in the morning? Or at six in the morning, he was sleeping. Well, that's why he threw five interceptions. <laughs> Sorry, should have been up working. That's a great concept of okay, does your routine match your goals? Sometimes we have these elite level goals. <laughs> I want to do this, I want to accomplish yeah. this, I want to do that. And you say, okay, what are you doing? Let me see yeah. your routine. I go to practice. Well, yeah, if you have those goals, that like that is not going to reach your goals. It's it's okay to not have elite level goals, but sometimes we have people who are super frustrated. Like I want to be this. Well, well, that level of performance has a price. Yeah. If you're not willing to pay the price, then either lower your goals and don't be so frustrated or raise your level of the price that you're willing to pay to achieve that goal. Because as we were meeting with these elite level athletes who've accomplished great things. I mean, the Tyler Haas stories in my mind, you know, from age 11 and 12, he's waking up every morning and going and getting up, you know, 300 shots at a church in different, different uh, settings and different, different kinds of shots. And, and his dad was there uh -huh. and his dad also didn't embarrass him 
didn't, you know, drive him like he was some animal and just make beat him to death if he didn't make the shot. His dad made it into a game. He made it fun. He made it a bonding experience. They tracked the makes. An opportunity, yeah, yep. to be with his son so that his son was working but also bonding with his dad. That's the magic of parents doing sports with their kids is if they can make it a bonding experience, not a I'm your trainer, right? I'm going to make you become a good athlete. That's not a good relationship to have, I think, with our kids. Yeah. And I mean, he would go on. He, he talked about I would then I go home and I would eat some breakfast and then I had a dribbling drill before I would do when I went to school. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you're sitting there listening to this kid thinking an 11 and 12 year old kid has gone and got 300 shots up, tracked it on a shot chart, tried to beat it every single day with his dad. Then he would come home, eat some breakfast, do some dribbling drills, daily dribbling drills. And then he would leave and go to elementary school and junior high. And yeah. then all of a sudden, boom, he bursts onto the scene. And wow, I can't believe it. He's a sophomore at BYU and he's scoring all these points. Yeah. And we think that that happened at, because yeah, of natural five. gifts or something, which partially, yes. But those years of work, that's just, man, make sure if you have lofty goals, then make sure your, your routine and and what your daily routine matches your goals and we see this so many times i mean every high school football team two weeks ago had goals to win state you know yep. and the question that i would have was okay not everyone can win state and that's fine but show me your june yeah i'll tell you if you really wanted to win state if you show me what your players did during June. And of course, everyone loves the idea of winning state, but not a lot of people love the price that needs yep. to be paid. And those who fall in love with the process and the price of being great are those who become great. Nick Saban at Alabama said, it takes what it takes. He said, a lot of young people now think that there's this, they have this presumption that it's just going to happen if they just kind of show up. And that everything's just going to go right. And he said, it takes what it takes. And there's really, that's really, there's no other way to cut it. It's not a gray area. You know, what it takes is unbelievably hard sacrifice and work ethic. And, and what it is, when you say it takes what it takes, I would say it isn't the scholarship. Probably, it might not even be the state championship. It's becoming the very best that you can become. And parents, if we use sports as an opportunity to help our kids become their best at something, and we can be a part of that in a way that binds us, and brings us together with our kids, then sports is a great blessing for all of us. If it's something that creates hardship in their life and extra stress and depression and anxiety or becomes a wedge between us and our child because we want it more than they do because we're trying to live through them or something then sports become something that maybe was a bad thing for us and something that we may look back at and wish we didn't have as part of our life. But schooling can be the same thing. If, if we make school something that we focus on with our kids to let, we just want them to accomplish things and be, and feel like they, they, and maybe their best is a B plus. Maybe it is an A minus. Then compliment it, celebrate the small victories, 
But if they're if they're great, if they are capable of an A, let's not let them feel like a B plus is that you're better. You, you can do better. I'm proud of you for what you did, but I still think you can do more. What do we want to do to do more? Right. And I'm proud of you because you made X amount of shots. But I think if we work a little bit harder, what do you think? You think you can do it? You like in this? You really want to go for it? Then I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll see you at 545. I'll have the car running. Let's go get our shots up. And I want to do it with you. And then let's go grab something to eat after. And let's talk about something unrelated to basketball. Once we sit down at the dinner table, let's talk about math class. How are you doing with other people in your school? How's your mind? Are you anxious? Are you sleeping at night? You having bad thoughts? Are you, you know, are you, are you praying? Are you doing things outside of sports to, you know, have relationships and balance in your life, right? Have those discussions, not always sports, 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 work, 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 go, go, go. And then wonder why, gosh, my kid didn't get a scholarship and he's super anxious and he hates sports and he doesn't want to be around me. <laughs> well, we, we drove him to that point. That's on us, right? Right. Well, hey, thanks, man. This is a great back-to-school message. So by summary, helping others just walk into rooms and try to lift other people, notice other people, and, and help them feel great about themselves. With school, set some routines, set some goals, sit in the front, raise your hand, ask some questions. And with athletics, make sure that set lofty goals, but make sure that your routine and your what you do every day is pointed toward the goals you want to accomplish. And and then all three of these things, our relationships, school, and athletics will, will help us all to grow and, and to become everything that we should become and could become. So any last thoughts, Dustin? No, we're ready to, let's, let's go. Eyes up, do the work, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org book.